What's up, everybody? You're listening to Our Future, the business podcast for young people. I'm your host, Michael Zakond, a junior at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business, and I realized that business podcasts were long and boring. Three times a week on my show, in short, fun, and informative interviews, you will hear from the founders and executives shaping our future. My next guest is Chris Murphy, president of the Santa Cruz Warriors, the NBA G League franchise of the Golden State Warriors. Chris's team is one of the most valuable franchises of the 28 teams in the G League, a division of the NBA that has really come into its own lately, becoming a valuable proving ground for players, coaches, and managers to develop in the ecosystem of pro basketball. At the start of the 2018 to 2019 NBA season, over 40% of the players had experience in the G League and the investment the NBA has made in it is really starting to pay off. I love interviewing sports execs, not only because they work in such a unique business, but they're so deeply passionate about the work they do. Let's dive into my interview with Chris Murphy. You're 20 years old, you're my age. Did you ever envision yourself being president of a pro sports team? No. Um, and I would probably say even at, even at 30 years old, I didn't, you know, maybe it was a little bit more, uh, in the vision, but definitely not high on the radar at the time. Um, you know, 20 years old, I was working at, um, you know, Syracuse university actually selling tickets through their box office and reaching out to people, um, to try to sell season and group tickets for Syracuse football and basketball. Um, didn't really know much about working in sports or, that there was like, you know, you, you start to understand the business behind it. And obviously now, you know, 18, 17, 18 years later, I think it's easier for students of your age to now understand kind of the level of the business that is behind sports versus 20 years ago, it was like not as prevalent. You know, there weren't sports management degrees and master's programs. Yeah. And the focus on it as there is now. Yeah, so let's talk about why you've stayed in this business of sports universe for so long, spending your entire career with the Golden State Warriors. What has kept mm-hmm. you in this bubble? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in regards to sports in general, um, I would say at the end of the day, like I go to work every day to talk at some surface level about basketball, whether that's about how we market to our fans or what's going to happen on a game night or whether that's literally just like talking about how many points Steph Curry played or scored the night before, like. At its core, every part of my day is I get to talk about basketball. So that in and of itself is a passion and a desire and it's fun. And, uh, you know, another thing that's amazing about sports is like no two days are the same, Um, you know, in terms of like it's an ever-changing environment. Like if you win three games in a row, you might have different opportunities. If you lose 10 games in a row or you sign a big player, you don't. Injuries obviously makes a big difference. So I, I think... Um, you know, not to belittle any other industry, but if I went to work every day to talk about selling like washers and dryers, um, that just doesn't seem as passionate. Like, I don't know what the factors of a washer dryer evolution would be that would make me think one day is different than the next. Um, but I think the fact that it's constantly changing, ever evolving, and again, like more people want to talk to you about sports, about basketball. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, especially the Warriors over the last five years. Um, you know, pertaining to the Warriors organization as, as one, um, you know, there's been other opportunities to leave the Warriors organization over the last 15 years. There's been more than a handful. Um, but, you know, at, the, at its core, I work for really great people. I work with really great people. They've always taken great care of me. And this is, this is a family to me. Um, you know, I've been here since I was 22 years old. So it's, um, but, you know, there's, there's at least a handful of uh, my closest friends that were there the day I started. Um, you know, so it is a family to me and it's, uh, I, I love the Warriors. 
Can you walk us through the symbiosis between, you know, Golden State Warriors, the Santa Cruz Warriors, and how intimate is the connection, whether it be cultural or operationally on the business side? Yeah, I mean, I think on the business side, um, it ranges. I, th- I think some of it, um, you know, when I first got to Santa Cruz, it was far more like the people that I had direct relationships with. It was easy for me to lean on them to like, hey, I need you to help this member of my team work on this project. Um, and over time, um, not only did members of our Santa Cruz team start to develop some of their own relationships, but you know, Santa Cruz was just kind of enveloped into the overall fabric of who we are as the Warriors. That now, like, I don't have to get involved for my Santa Cruz team to be connecting with their mentors or their departments up at Gold State and being able to learn more and um, you know, kind of pull from their expertise. Um, it's becoming far more second nature than when you know Golden State's corporate sponsorship team and corporate partnership sellers are out there pitching big deals for Golden State in the Chase Center. They're in, you know, they're talking about here's why you need to be a member of the whole family with Santa Cruz and with esports. Um, so I think there's a lot of that synergy that's really grown over the last four or five years. Um, you know, and I think just in general about the business, I mean, off the court, like we are a very strong business up at Golden State, and we are probably considered the the top or second towards the top of all G League businesses as well. Um, so I, I think like we want to conduct things at an extremely high level, high quality, you know, putting a lot of science and data behind some of the choices we're making on the ticketing side or partnership side, um, being great partners and just good people, treating our fans well. Um, so I think it's core philosophies and their core tenets of who we are as a Warriors brand stems through to Santa Cruz, but sometimes we have our own way of doing it. Um, you know, we're, we're in a far smaller community, a far smaller building. Um, so we don't have to do things the exact same way in order to accomplish the same goal. So on the court, I think there's a lot more symbiosis as well. I mean, you got players going back and forth. They run all the same plays. They, you know, the coaching staff uses the same verbiage. Um, there's super close there as well. The number one prospect, Jalen Green, he, in April, he announced he was going to play in the G League after high school. 500k uh, reevaluate, you know the, you know, go into the NBA after a year. What do you think of this model, wherein younger players might spend some time in the G League before going pro, as opposed to, you know, going to play college ball? And there has been criticism against the NCAA for not paying the players, even though they profit so much off them. So, what do you think of the G League's maybe evolving role in that capacity? You know, for these kids or for these young men that um, are very clearly destined for the NBA. And we know that they're going to the NBA. We know they could go into the draft right now and be a lottery pick. Um, You know, it feels like being able to capitalize on um, the time investment of that year when they're 18 years old um, to to basically work on their craft full time, to be in an NBA style system, to be understanding what it's like to – you know, to dedicate yourself to your body and your nutrition and your recovery and your muscles. I I mean, and the craft as well. Um, I think that's a different level of training and exposure that they get in the G League when they're a full-time basketball player than um, when they're at, you know, if they were to explore the college route and there's class and and, uh, limitations on how often you're allowed to practice and things of that nature. Um, You know, in this new, this new system, you know, they have a a phenomenal head coach, Brian Shaw, who's got NBA head coaching experience. He played a long time in the NBA. Um, You've now got, I think, five kind of top 20 level high school recruits that have committed to go this path. Um, So they'll be playing together. Um, I think, I don't know if you saw, I mean, I think it was this morning, the number one player in the 2021 class, of high school 
reclassified up to be done with high school this year and he's going to play in the G League next year as well. So I think it's becoming, you know, it's a pathway, whether or not you want to talk about the money and being able to capitalize on their likeness and endorsements. I mean, that's all valid and I'm sure that's higher on their mind than it is mine. But the ability to to spend 100% of your time becoming more effective in what will eventually be your career of basketball just seems to make sense. Like if you wanted to go to school or you go to school to study a certain thing, because that's what you want to do in life. So what they want to do in life is play basketball and they're able to do that full time and have a, an environment around them that is best suited to prepare them for the NBA. Seems like it makes a lot of sense. So I also interviewed Eric Hutcherson on this podcast, EVP of the NBA. Great guy. Awesome, awesome combo. And I asked him about what technologies he saw kind of impacting the game going forward. You know, uh, I, I told him, you know, we can already pretty much watch games virtually through VR, like sitting courtside. What else coming down the pike for fan engagement and tech? I think some of the things that are exciting to already see happening is just, you know, being able to choose your viewing experience. Um, all from the same platform. So whether I want just a traditional, a traditional viewing experience with broadcasters, like we've seen it for the last 50 years, um, whether you want to have more stats kind of overlaid into kind of the general, the basic scoreboard bug type thing, whether or not you want to see like stats on the screen at all times, like a guy's, a guy's shooting a shot and as he's doing it, it's kind of portrayed onto the court that he's six for 10 in his last 10 shots from that range or whatever those things are. I mean, everybody has a different lens um, whether you want home or away, broadcast, feed, stats. So I, I think just the ability to do more of that, I think just ultimately personalizes the experience for the viewer. Um, and I think ultimately the amount of different pathways there are to utilize different devices and different methods to watch games and to consume games, um, I think that's going to be the thing that we're going to look at 10 years from now and think like, wow, I had to turn on the TV back then, you know, whenever long ago. So to watch the, that game versus there might there's things that haven't even been invented yet that we'll be using ten years from now to consume sports on a daily basis. So I think I think that's a big one. I, I think that not only is the view at home experience, but also view in the arena experience. Um, as you're what what am I able to do with that second screen while you're sitting three rows off the court that you're also able to kind of interact with your phone to kind of get a better, more enhanced experience. And there'll be some people that don't have an interest in that, and that's that's obviously fine. Um, but I think as people become more and more used to with the capabilities that are going to exist in the mobile device. Um, I think they're going to start to realize like this is a whole nother level of experiencing athletic. And I think October is when you guys restart. You're probably, the, the season's probably going to come back then in some capacity. Would that be the case? I mean, we don't know yet. I, I think I would actually probably say like every year the G League starts, call it two to three weeks after the NBA. Um, so with the NBA kind of announcing their, their tentative start date of December 1st, I would actually predict we start, you know, at some point later December then kind of more in line with the NBA calendar calendar starting two to three weeks after that, um, like we do every year versus starting earlier. What piece of advice would you give a student interested in sports business who wants to kind of go the same path as you have in your career? And then one general piece of career advice for kids as they go out to carve their own future in the, the business world. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things I would say to like a college student that's aspiring to work in sports is like, try to find the relevant experience now. Um, you know, it doesn't mean if you go, if you go to Michigan and you want to be, you know, in player development, it doesn't mean that the only job that you can find is, oh, it's already taken for the football team. So I'm screwed. Right. Like 
maybe you do that job for, you know, women's volleyball or for track and field or, you know, find some sort of relevant experience if you can. If you want to be in marketing, um, you know, for a sports team, but the marketing internships are taken at, at Michigan, like, are there minor league teams in the area? Are there, maybe it's concert promotion or what other ways could you market live events? Um, in order to get some of that experience. So I think finding relevant experience as best you can um, is really important because it's, you know, somebody that's hired probably 100 people in my lifetime. Um, you know, there's going to be hundreds of resumes that come across my desk whenever, whenever we post any job, right? So um, it can't just be that you did really well academically or you volunteer, which are all great things. And you know, but seeing people that really did the grind that worked part time for the pro sports team as an usher or a ticket taker or whatever it is, um, everybody knows how hard like college can be and you know that there's a lot of distractions in college as well. But to show that you oh, yeah. have the, the, the determination and work ethic to say, I'm going to do these seven different part time jobs and learn and take these internships on just show just speaks to me differently off of a resume. So I find relevant experience that doesn't necessarily mean um, the exact thing you think you want to do. Um, and then general career advice that I, I use a lot um, is, you know, I think a lot of times, a lot of people earlier in their career uh, focus extremely heavily on like, what's the next step? What's the next position? Like, when's the promotion coming? What's the next job? Where do I want to be in next years? Um, I think what's more important, in my personal opinion, um, is, you know, kind of aligning yourself with good people and understanding, you know, the people that you work for and what they stand for. But then also, like just trying to learn as much as you can and trying to soak up as much information as you can. Try to take jobs or take tasks and responsibilities off of your boss's plate. Um, in order to get the privilege of doing that, you have to be crushing it your own role, right? So step one is like crush it in the job you're being asked to do. Step two, start to try to, you know, be coachable and learn and accept more, try to take more off your boss's plate. Uh, because ultimately by you doing that for them, hey, you're learning. You're, you're, you're growing, experiencing, but you're freeing them, their time up to, to be able to take on more, maybe from their superior. Um, but what's also being done is you're showing that you have what it takes to step into that role if and when the time becomes available. A lot of times what you see happen is like person X gets promoted and person Y is like, oh shoot, I got to work really hard to try to get that job. Like if you wait to work hard and to prove it until this person's already promoted or has left, it's probably too late. Right? Like you've got to act the part of that next job and work as if that next job is so clearly going to be yours. Um, but so that when the time comes that that's available, there's not even a question like, oh, Michael's very clearly able to pull this off. And that's, you know, I, I think that would be a, a big piece of a career advice I would give to people is, you know, not wait until the opportunity is available, start acting like you, are, you deserve that opportunity because it could be too late at that point. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Chris Murphy, president of the Santa Cruz Warriors. I always have so much fun discussing sports. I think we're all pretty hyped to see the NBA return at Disney World in a week or two here. It's pretty exciting, and I hope the full season can play out. Again, love talking with sports execs, and I hope you guys have a killer weekend. Stay safe and stay frosty.